Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is our season finale for this season, and uh, really the second part of it, as we've split this episode into two. But uh, we're picking back up with some of Avery's thoughts that he was making last week, and we've kind of rewinded just a little bit so that you can get a better context of that. And then we will continue the rest of this discussion dealing with the church as we wrap up our season on doctrine on the Everyday Christian Podcast. First, I want to say that if, if anybody's listening to this and they are not uh, familiar with the Lord's Church, nothing said here is meant to be arrogant um, or to come off as, uh, you know, better than or anything like that. We just simply are urging people to go back to the Bible. I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's, you know, all of our rule book. You know, every human being on this planet, whether you believe or not, that is still the, the rule book by which we are judged. And so we are just urging people to go back to the rule book. So with that in mind, we must see what the rule book says. And as we mentioned just a moment ago, you know, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, Christ is the head over the church. Um, the church is his body, verse 23. And then we looked at those ones in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 4. There is one body, and it goes on to talk about all the different ones. There's several ones listed there between verse 4 and verse 6. Um, so there's the church in and of itself is singular in nature. So when we talk about this idea of being different from a denomination, we're not just saying, hey, we're better people than those people. Okay, That's not what's being said. We're just simply saying that God did not intend for all of his children to believe different things. He, he created one unit. He did not want a division. He did not want denominationalism. He wanted a single place where all of humanity could come and have contact with him. Now, what does that look like? Now, again, we can go back all the way to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 2, um, Isaiah chapter 2 talks about where the church would be established. That is a great place, and a lot of people forget about that one. Isaiah 2 and verse number 3 says, from out of Zion. That's where it's supposed to come from. From Jerusalem, the word of the Lord is to come forth. Okay, so when we are going down this checklist of, is my church the right church, or how many churches are there supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera that's a great place to start, is who established it, as Chase mentioned just a moment ago, Matthew chapter 16, it is Christ. He's the owner of it. He is the head of it. It is his body. So Christ has to be the head. Okay, so that rules out any any church started by somebody, you know, that bears the name of someone um, because that takes away ownership from him. Secondly, where was it started? Well, the church that we are a part of was started in Acts chapter 2. Mm -hmm. And guess where it was started? Jerusalem. Exactly what Isaiah chapter two states. Yep, that's um, the where. That's the where and the when. Yeah, a, exactly. You know, a, approximately AD thirty three, the first day of Pentecost after Jesus's resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it talks about it in, in Acts chapter two um, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Where were those people? Well, verse five. You know, when when these people are all gathered together, where are they? Verse five. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. So that is the origin place. We know who the origin head is. Then we talk about that name. What, what's in a name? Well, why is it important? Why can't we just name ourselves something trendy like the, the river down by the, 
the the pine forest church the hills <laughs> you know, church see, yeah man i see so many of them they're you know uh, and people are very creative you know why does it matter because it shows ownership right you know uh when we talk about morality and we went back uh, you know in pr- uh, past episodes we talked about morality out of romans and we talked about people not being thankful and worshiping the creature rather than the creator don't you think it is only proper to call something that Jesus died for and purchased his. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think yeah. so. Well, and sometimes the accusation is leveled against us unfairly that, well, we're arrogant because we're claiming to be the, the one church. It is the utmost arrogance to claim that we can start our own church, that right. man can start his own church. That's arrogance. We're we're trying to to tell people to go back to Jesus's church, the one that belongs to him, but somehow the devil knows how to manipulate people's emotions and their minds to think that we're the ones who are arrogant. And I mean, that's not to say that there's never been a preacher in the Lord's church who who uh, found himself arrogant. Sometimes it does happen, but that is not um, an accusation that can rightfully be leveled against true teachings from God's word simply because you might have a preacher or two here and there that act arrogantly. Um, You know, you mentioned Isaiah chapter two, and I've got that down in my notes as well as Joel chapter two, Uh, Peter in Acts chapter two, he says, Hey, this is what Joel was talking about. So anytime you, anytime you see somebody say that in God's word, a red flag ought to immediately go up. Okay. Well, I need to go find out what Joel said. So you go back and you go to Joel chapter two and you read about that. Daniel chapter 2 as well, verse 44, it talks about in the days of these kings, God will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It will break in pieces all these other kingdoms, and you can actually put the historical pieces together uh, with various nations leading up to the Roman Empire there. Micah chapter 4 is another passage that's almost completely parallel to Isaiah chapter 2 that you mentioned. And again, it's all these all these uh, billboards, if you will, if you will, are pointing to uh, Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost, when the Lord's church will be established. Right. Right. And I wanted to speak on just for a moment, um, going back to one part you, you mentioned. There, there may or may not be people who have given off a uh, attitude of arrogance when talking about this subject. And we want you to understand that if you've had a, a negative encounter with somebody that person wasn't doing right. You know, that, you know, I, I want to point to James chapter two. In James chapter two, we had an issue with worship. Um, they were being partial, basically, and, and you can read and study this on your own. I won't take too much time away from our subject today. But basically, when somebody who was poor came into the worship assembly, they said, hey, you can sit in the back or you can sit by our feet, but you're not going to sit with us. But when somebody with nice clothes came in, They would say, hey, you can come up to the front. You sit on the front row. You'd be a part of the big crowd. Um, And it starts out in verse number one by by saying, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Do not do this. So were they doing right? No, they weren't doing right. That's the whole point of James chapter two is correction. They weren't living right. But I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the man who walks in to that service 
who is poor. You walk into a, a, a church and there's people who are rude there. And there's people who are saying, you can sit at my feet, but you're not going to sit with us. Now, the wrong response would to be look at to, to look at that situation and say, that's it. I'm done with churches. Yeah, All churches are wrong because they don't love me because right. they think they're the best and they're, they're just full of hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah. Or it might just be simply that those people were wrong and those right. people had a bad attitude because they were attempting to hold the faith of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they were doing it wrong. You know, I, they weren't doing it properly. I try to always point out, you know, is the church of Christ, which when we say that, we mean the church that belongs to Christ. Um, and there's lots of other designations for the church. Uh, the Lord's church is accurate, an accurate representation of what we're talking about. Churches of Christ, Romans 16, verse 16. Church of God is mentioned in the Bible. A lot of times it's just the church, the church, which right. is singular. <clears throat> but anyways, a lot of times people will will level accusations again along these lines that you're talking about. And um, I will ask the question, is the church perfect? In plan, that is in the Lord's plan, absolutely it's perfect. His plan for the church is perfect. Now, in putting it in, into practice, yeah, guess what? Sometimes Christians mess up, don't they? But you don't blame the Lord for that. You don't blame his plan for that. And you certainly don't, to use the expression again, throw the baby out with the bathwater and just throw his plan out the window because people sometimes mess up. And I'll go to another passage. You know, you mentioned James chapter uh, two, I believe it is, Philippians chapter one. Paul says that some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and mm -hmm. also uh, some from goodwill. He says in verse 16, the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to Paul's chains, but the latter of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then, he says in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in pretense, that is, in improper motives, or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Paul is saying, hey, even those guys who have the improper motives, but they still did preach the truth, there was some good that came from it, and the truth was preached. Now, they should have had the right attitude. They should have. But mm -hmm. the truth was still preached, and good came from it, and people became Christians, and so Paul rejoiced in that sense. And again, we can't just uh, start leveling accusations and be like, well, I don't like that preacher. You know, I, I don't think he's very nice. I don't like the way he preaches. And so therefore, I'm just going to leave the church and never come back. And that's what right. a lot of people do. Right. And, you know, just to, to put it in <laughs> kind of a, a simple, simple illustration, you know, when we go out to eat, we, we go to Chick-fil-A, right? We go to Chick-fil-A a lot. We have one right down the street. Uh, Chick-fil-A is known for their high standards. They're a good restaurant. But let's say hypothetically there is one that is poorly run, poor management, whatever it may be. You go to that Chick-fil-A and you say, man, I had a bad experience are you never going to one ever again? Because you had a bad experience with poor management at one. Now we got to go back to this idea of autonomy. Now we are all teaching the same thing, right? We're, we're going back to the Bible, but each congregation is run uh, and they operate under their own, you know, understanding of scripture. We we're not uh, again, going back to this idea of we're not part of a headquarter. 
So to go to a, a, a service of the church, or maybe you were raised in the church and you feel like there was just a bad experience, well, maybe they just were poorly run. Maybe, maybe, maybe the people that called themselves, you know, Christians that worship there, maybe they weren't doing what was right. Maybe they were hypocrites. Maybe so. I'm not, I'm not disputing that fact, but to, just wipe your hands clean of it and say, well, I'm now I'm spiritual, but not religious. Mm-hmm. You're still going back to try to separate the head from the body. And that just doesn't work. Yep. And oftentimes they will just leave and never come back and they don't go anywhere. They don't go find another congregation. They don't start their own congregation or whatever. No, what they do is they just stop attending. And what does Hebrews chapter 10 say? Uh, verse 24, it says, we are to consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and encouraging one another, et cetera. But anyways, that's talking about people who just leave off. They just separate themselves from the body. What is it? If you keep reading, what does it say? It says that those who do so are trotting under the foot of men, mm-hmm. the son of God. They're crucifying him. Uh, afresh, mm-hmm. crucifying him all over again by their attitude, and they're committing willful sin, they're going to find themselves in heavy judgment because they have forsaken Christ and they've forsaken his body. And I go back to Second uh, Peter chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter, it talks about how, um, you know, we're going to be worse off if we knew the truth, and then forsook the truth. We're like a pig that was washed, but returns to the wallowing in the mire, and we're like a dog that returns to his own vomit. That's what a lot of people are doing, and they want to do it because they say, well, I had a bad bad experience. Yeah, that's uh, it's unfortunate that people have that that mindset. But, uh, but again, I, I always go back to the idea that I can't control what other people do. I can control how I react to something. Um, And so, you know, I may have had people in the past that have uh, maybe left a bad taste in my mouth uh, concerning the church or uh, just church in general. And, and, and so, you know, I just decided that I'm going to go off and, you know, blaze my own trail and I'm spiritual, but not religious. I want Jesus, but not a church. I don't want to be part of a church. Uh, That's the wrong way of looking at it. You know, I can't control other people, but I can control myself. And I know clearly based on Ephesians, based on some of these texts we're looking at, that the church, the church is Christ's body. And if I want to know Christ, I've got to be a part of the body. Got to be called, you know, we're called the bridegroom of Christ. You know, how important is that? You know, we need to, if we want to, if we want Jesus, you can't separate Jesus from the thing he died for. You have to have them both you have to have the church you have to have jesus you got to have the head with the body yeah talk about let not man put us under Mm. i mean how how dare we do that with the bride of christ from the bridegroom right right and uh so many people want to do that um so much could be said about this Uh, we could get into like the timeline Uh, i would point to people to uh, don blackwell's video why are there so many churches it's a good one as far as kind of explaining how all the different denominations got here i think there's upwards of 40,000 different denominations now and counting rapidly. But uh, in that video, he kind of explains how you've got, of course, the true church that Jesus established. 
A lot of people give a start date of about 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea as when the Roman Catholic Church really got organized. Um, and I'm sure there might be a little bit of disputing those dates, but basically you've got some time after the Lord's Church is established, you've got the Roman Catholic Church coming along and really asserting itself. And by the way, you had some other denominations smaller in purview that cropped up before that, but Roman Catholic Church is really the biggest one that comes, uh, along with the Judaizers, I guess, uh, that splits off from the Lord's Church. And mm -hmm. then uh, 1000 AD, roughly, you've got the Roman Catholic Church. The Great Schism takes place, so the Roman Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church splits, so you've got some denominations there. And then 1517, most people agree that that's basically the start of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther nails 95 Theses to the uh, door at the church at Wittenberg, and that spreads like wildfire. And before you know it, you've got you know John Calvin, Martin Luther, uh, John Huss, John Wycliffe, and a bunch of different guys who are starting their own denominations. And by the way, Martin Luther and many others didn't even want to start their own denomination. Right. They repudiated that. They did not, for instance, Martin Luther is uh, quoted as having said that he did not want people calling themselves and referring to themselves as Lutherans, but they did it anyway. And so that is very quickly a brief explanation of how we got here as far as so many different denominations. We would say, hey, forsake that branched timeline altogether and go back to AD 33, approximately, when the Lord established his church, and let's be that church. Right, right. It's really, a, again, goes back to just, just common sense of sitting down and being open and honest with yourself, reading the scripture and saying, is this church, and you can go down the list, is this church the right church based on where it was started? You mentioned the Roman Catholic. Where was that started? Was it Jerusalem? Nope. No, it wasn't. It will then, then that is in direct violation with Acts chapter 2 and Isaiah chapter 2. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you could go down the list. And we're not, again, we're not picking on people. We just want you to go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about the church? Um, so it takes some study, you know, but uh, but that's part of being a Christian, right, is studying. Yeah, 2 Timothy 2.15. Um, mm -hmm. Also, the noble Bereans in the book of Acts, they search the scriptures daily to see whether or not the things that they were being taught was so, and, and we've got to do that today as well. And that includes us, you know, mm -hmm. um, we're not above that. We, we've got to search the scriptures daily as well to make sure that the things we're speaking uh, are truth. Um, and we would both tell people in, in the audience as we preach, hey, if, if we get something way off, uh, come tell us and we'll fix it. Uh, what right. about Christ's relationship with his church, the saved, the ecclesia, the called out. Can we speak to that for just a moment, and then uh, we'll wrap up the podcast this week? Right, and we've already talked about like this idea of being the bridegroom of Christ. <clears throat> uh, I think one of the best uh, examples of this is in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, you have the judgment scene, um, and you have the the sheep from the goats being uh, divided up. And it's funny because we talked about the body of Christ. We talked about how we need to be the bridegroom of Christ. 
we all want to be considered the sheep, right? We always want, we, we want to be a part of that group. Um, but we want to live like goats <laughs> and be called sheep. You know, it doesn't work that way. And so again, going back to the idea of being a part of the body, being a part of the bridegroom, um, if it wasn't important to be joined to this, if it didn't come with special benefits, and that benefit is eternal life, uh, then why did God add people to it in Acts chapter 2? You know, so all of these things together are pretty important. If you go back, and uh, there's there's multiple examples of this in Matthew 25, but you have the, the parable of the wise and the unwise, the foolish virgins. And I want to read a little bit about that. Um, so there was five foolish and five wise. Maybe you're familiar with the story. Uh, the kingdom of heaven shall be like in verse one to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay. And now there was five of them who were wise and five who were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps with no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry, uh, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Okay, who is our bridegroom? Well, Christ is. Christ is our bridegroom. The bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. So all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are not are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there be uh, not enough for us and for you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And when they went to to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Okay, and, and then it goes on, and the, the, the unwise came and begged him to let him in. In verse number 12, he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Okay, now I understand this is a judgment scene, but think about the implications of being a part of the wedding feast. You know, we want to be part of the bridegroom when the bridegroom, you know, or we want to be a part of the wedding party, rather, when the bridegroom comes. Imagine Christ coming back and you're not a part of his church because uh, you're spiritual, but not religious. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, Christ comes back, you know, today and you, you have to look at him in the eyes and say, well, um, I liked you, but I just didn't like being a part of your wedding party. I mean, that's essentially what we're saying. And so the importance of of the relationship that we have to Christ is that if you want to know Christ, if you want to go to the wedding feast, and in this case, the wedding feast is, is eternal life with him. If you want to do that, then you've got to prepare. And how are you to prepare to make sure that you're in the right, right uh, wedding party? And I think that's a really good example of it. And again, going back to the idea of the sheep and the goats, we could also uh, use that as well. But Yeah, that's uh, that's very well said. I appreciate you bringing that in. Matthew 25 is such an important chapter. Of course, also there you've got the parable of the talents earlier in the chapter, and that's a huge, huge discussion as well. Um, we need to be good stewards, stewards of what God has given us and opportunities, time, money, uh, abilities, which is usually how we use the word talents, but uh, actually he was dealing with primarily first talents, which are money. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we've got so much responsibility as part of being his body. Um, mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter four, we're to use our abilities uh, and we're not to 
we're not to uh, be jealous of other members of the body, but we're to use what we can to edify and, and help the body grow. And uh, I'll also kind of wrap up with this. That's Ephesians 1 verse 3. We already mentioned it, but blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us or blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. How do we get into Christ? Well, Galatians 3 verses 26 and 27 says, uh, For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's not hard to understand. Uh, the denominational world makes it difficult to understand, but it's not. Um, so we need to obey the gospel. We need to put on Christ in baptism. When we do that, the Lord adds us to his church, Acts 2, verse 47. And then we have the responsibility to grow uh, as Christians, uh, desire the sincere milk of the word so that we can grow thereby, uh, grow in our knowledge, grow in our faithfulness in doing the things that God has asked us to do. Will we earn it at that point? Of course not. We don't earn what Jesus did for us, but he does has he does have expectations for us uh, as his children, as the called out, the ecclesia, the church that belongs to Christ. So any final thoughts, Avery, before we wrap it up? I mean, I just uh, really urge people, as you just gave several verse references, and uh, don't take anybody's word for what God says. Look these scriptures up. Search the scriptures. Um, you know, go through them. Look at the context. Look at the, you know, the logic behind it. Why would God be okay with everybody just worshiping how they want to worship? You know, yep. God wants certain things from us. It's just our... It's on us to determine what those things are through Scripture. Come, come let us reason together. Right, um, exactly. That's uh, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 1. And, and then Paul, he reasoned through the Scriptures a lot uh, in the book of Acts. So we have to do the same. Right. And so and so to, to close it out on, on my end, I just, just thank you so much for studying this and, and letting us talk about this uh, this topic. I appreciate Chase for allowing me to be on. I would just highly encourage anyone listening to this to search the scriptures for yourself. Look at, you know, go back over this, pause it as many times as you need to look up every verse um, and, and find it for yourself. Understand that, that God is very clear. We started this whole discussion with talking about God is not the author of confusion. He's very clear in what he wants. Um, and it, it's, it's not hard. It's simple. It's just a matter of accepting what has been said. So thank you. And I, and I pray that you would uh, search the scriptures and, and see what God has to say about the subject of the church. Amen. I appreciate you, Avery, as always. Appreciate your work that you do there in Missouri. Looking forward to being with you in a couple months uh, yeah. up at, at Arnold in August. Looking really, really looking forward to that. But I uh, appreciate you, the listeners, for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast this season. Lord willing, be back next season, and uh, we will continue with some more episodes, Lord willing. And uh, also, don't forget about some of our other podcasts, uh, including, you know, the Father Time podcast that premiered this year as well. I've enjoyed doing that one with uh, Scott Kane and Matt McBrayer as well. So check that one out. And uh, don't forget about our, our joint uh, Scattered Abroad podcast that we put out once a month with, you know, most of the guys at the network. We kind of rotate in and out on that one. But check that one out as well. And check out our master feed, Scattered Abroad Network master feed. But again, want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying with me all season long, and we are looking forward to next season on the Everyday Christian Podcast.